Hail and well-met adventurers, and welcome back to another episode of the Sourcebook here on RiotRadio.ca. The show where we talk about Dungeons and Dragons, um, different classes, races, rules, and various other things throughout the show. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the monk. Um, last week we were talking about the fighter with uh, special guest Ryan Halbert. He was going to he was going through it, and he was kind of talking about um, different ways that you could build the fighter. Uh, this week it's just me, so we'll uh, we'll get stuff going. Um, as per usual, I'm using uh, the player's handbook as well as Xanathar's guide to everything. I think today will be a shorter episode, and uh, we'll just kind of go through everything that's around here uh, in the player's handbook. Uh, once again, I'm using any flip. Um, any flip makes things a lot easier when you don't quite have the cash in order to get these books. Um, if you wanted to purchase the Player's Handbook for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, you could just go to the gaming section of most of your um, book selling needs. So in Canada, it's Indigo, um, and they're usually about 60 bucks. But uh, if, you don't, if you don't feel like having a physical copy of the book, then that's fine. You can just go to any flip and all the information and is still there and it's all correct. So yeah, we're talking about the Monk. Uh, the monk is a very interesting martial class, as um, they're they're also very versatile in what it is they can and can't do, um, and they use these things called key points. That's what makes them unique. Key is the ability that they use in order to um, manipulate the air around them. It it channels and uh, allows them to use um, their monistic abilities and traits, and you gain more of them as you level up. So, uh, monks usually live um, in monasteries. In previous editions, it was required that you had a deity that you worshipped. Um, in this, in, in 5th E, you don't need to have a deity that you worship. It's not something that's required. Um, like the paladin or the cleric, usually with one of those two, you have to choose a deity unless you're a fallen or a um, oathbreaker paladin, which we'll talk about. Funny enough, next week we'll talk about paladins, so tune into that episode if you want to find out what oathbreaker paladin means. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. With uh, the monks, they use a d8 for their hit die, and they start off with a fairly okay amount of health. Um, they use constitution um, for their uh, health, just like everyone else. Uh, their proficiencies, funny enough, they're not proficient in armor. I think this is the first class that is not proficient in armor um, that we've talked about. So you're wearing usually cloth, um, like a gi, in order for your for your um, clothing. And it's usually that's all it is, it's just clothing, and that allows you to um, move around a little bit more agilely, and the idea is that you're unrestricted in your flow of movements. Um, they are also proficient with simple weapons and short swords. These are also might be referred to as um, monk weapons, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. And you get to just, you're proficient with one artisan tool or musical instrument of your choice, and that's usually just for flavor. They usually don't use them um, regularly. Most people forget about their artisan's tools as they're going around, they're using uh, their equipment. Um, are proficient in strength and dexterity saving, saving, 
saving throws, uh, even though the monk is usually a little bit more on the dexterity side rather than the strength. Um, and you get to choose between ac acrobatics, athletics, history, insight, religion, and stealth. Um, funny enough, it's just those six you get to choose from, but you get two more when you choose a background. Um, funny enough, another thing that monks use is usually their wisdom. Their wisdom also feeds into um, a lot of their saving throws um, or DC spell saves, which we'll get into that too. So in some aspects of the monk, they can cast spells. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, your starting equipment is usually a short sword or any simple weapon. It's usually your choice. Um, a dungeoneer's pack, an explorer's pack, uh, ten darts. Uh, and that's usually it. That's all you really get. Um, monks have this belief and they follow the idea that they are... Um, they, they don't hang on to monetary value and they don't hang on to... Um, they, they don't hang on to, to just random objects and things. They believe in the idea of uh, being minimalists. So uh, it's usually whatever they got on their back and that's it. Alright, level 1. Unarmored defense. So similarly to the uh, Barbarian, they also get unarmored defense. Um, except, um, instead of it being your uh, dexterity and constitution modifier, it is actually your dexterity and your wisdom modifier added together to create your unarmored defense. The idea being that you're simply nimble, you're able to read your opponents and, and move out of the way and flow um, in such a way that makes it so you don't get hit. Rather than the uh, barbarian who is literally just too angry to die, um, this is a little bit more of a, a different approach. Uh, as well, at level one, you get in martial arts. Uh, you practice in martial arts, gives you mastery of combat styles uh, that use unarmed strength and monk weapons. So, we mentioned monk weapons before. Um, monk weapons are classified as short swords or any simple weapon that does not need, um, that don't have the two-handed or heavy property. So, any martial weapons you can't use. Um, the reason why they say two-handed or heavy property is because a maul is considered to be a simple weapon, but a maul is not a it's not a monistic weapon. The idea is most most of these weapons either have finesse properties, have the throne property, um, or are quarter staffs. And quarter staffs, uh, the idea once again is being able to move unrestricted, and that's kind of the point of of the monk weapons. Um, while you're unarmed uh, or only wielding uh, monk weapons uh, and you aren't wearing armor or having or have a shield you can use dexterity instead of your strength for attacking and damage rolls for any unarmed strike typically an unarmed strike if you're not a monk when you're making the attack you only use your strength and the damage is one plus your strength modifier which is really funny when you have a negative and negative to your strength because you're dealing zero damage. You're just not doing much of anything. <laughs> um, as well, when you're using your unarmed strikes, you can uh, you uh, can roll a d4 in place of the normal damage for your unarmed strikes or monk's weapons. Uh, this die changes as you gain levels as a monk, um, as shown on the martial arts column on the monk table, which is quite literally back here. Um, so if you look at martial arts, you see it increases as we go. 
as well. You, uh, when you are using the attack action with an unarmed strike or uh, with a monk weapon, you can make an unarmed strike, another unarmed strike, with your bonus with a bonus action. Uh, for example, if you make an attack action with quarterstaff, you can also make a unarmed strike uh, as a bonus action, assuming you haven't already taken bonus action uh, this turn. So, when they say unarmed strike, they just means that you don't have weapons in your hands, but this can be flavored to be like a kick or, you know, an axe kick or, or, or anything like that. It doesn't need to be like, oh yeah, I smack it with my quarterstaff and then I punch it. Typically in martial arts, like when you when you see it, you see that flow. And it's usually followed up by like a kick or something like that, or at least I like to think so. Um, that being said, I'm not a martial artist. I do not know everything about it. If you are and you're just like, no, in some situations you typically can follow up with a fist, well, hey, you can correct me and I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, starting at the second level, you get key. Uh, your training allows you to harness mystic energy of key. Your access to energy is represented by a number of key points. Your monk level determines the number of uh, points you have, as shown on the key points column on the monk table. And typically you gain one per level at a maximum of 20, if I remember that correctly. And that is correct. So basically you just get whatever your, your monk level is, that's how many key points you have. So it's pretty easy to get used to that. Uh, you must spend a minimum of 30 minutes uh, of rest and meditation to regain your key points. So you don't even need to take a, a short rest. You literally just need to take some time to meditate in order to center yourself. Um, some key features require you to make um, saving throws, um, depending on what you choose to use them with. Um, once again, the key save DC is 8 plus your proficiency bonus, plus your wisdom modifier. And that's usually why the second thing that people go for is, is usually their wisdom. Um, so as follows, it should go um, what you should choose in order to best optimize your character um, when building a monk is usually dexterity, wisdom, and then I usually just do constitution just because I like having health and I like not dying. You know, pretty common thing. Um, in most cases, my dump stat is usually like my intelligence. Um, my intelligence or my charisma, just because, uh, sorry, intelligence or strength. Strength is still handy, but for the most part, you're using your dexterity when you're making your attacks anyways. Um, in most cases, intelligence is a dumb stat, um, with the exception of the artificer and the, uh, wizard, just because they use them the most. Okay, um, so there's a couple of key things that you can do things you can do with your key points. This is kind of similar to like the fighting styles or the, um, we were talking about the battle master fighter. This is kind of similar to the maneuvers. So a flurry of blows, immediately when you make the attack action with your turn, you can spend one key point to make two unarmed strikes as a bonus action. So starting at level two, you can now start hitting people three times instead of uh, just the typical one. Most people only hit somebody once, so monks can start hitting people three times. Uh, you also have patient defense when you can spend one key point to take the dodge, ac dodge action as a bonus action. Once again, the dog at dodge action is a uh, allows you to uh, have anyone who is attacking you or, or trying to make a strike against you. They'll have disadvantage in the attack because you're actively trying to dodge them and get out of the way. Uh, you also have step of the wind. You can spend one key point to disengage or dash um, as a bonus action. 
on your turn. Uh, and your jump distance is going to be doubled for the turn as well. So that helps. Okay, uh, unarmored movement, also at level 2. Uh, your speed increases by 10 feet when you're not wearing armor or wielding a shield. This bonus increases when you reach certain monk level, uh, as shown on the monk table. At ninth level, you gain the ability to move along uh, vertical surfaces, such as uh, across liquids, and on your turn without fail during this move. So it's pretty handy. It allows you to just increase your running distance by an additional 10 feet. Uh, at third level, you get to pick your majestic tradition, which is kind of like your fighter archetype or something like that. It's kind of it's the path you choose to, to walk as a monk, um, and there's quite a few of them. There's six, I believe. Uh, we probably will only cover three of them today, but if you choose to, um, if you want to do something, if not of what I mentioned today uh, interests you, then please, I highly recommend you go and, and check out uh, one of the other official canon books to find um, the different uh, options that are available. Um, some of them are really cool. Um, there's one that's um, Way of the Kensei. It's Kensei Monk. It allows you to uh, um, basically use a short sword or a sword as a Kensei weapon and allows you to use a weapon, use your sword uh, in conjunction with your with your attacks. It's pretty neat. Alright, um, so you get to choose that uh, while you are in your mystic tradition. As well, at level 3 you get to deflect missiles. Uh, you can use your reaction to deflect or catch missiles when you are hit by a ranged weapon attack, specifically a weapon attack. You can't catch fire and throw it back at people. It, it, people have tried, it doesn't work, you just kind of take damage anyways. Um, when you do so, the damage you take from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your monk level, which is a lot of math that you're doing right away. So you roll a d10, then you add your dexterity modifier, which is usually a plus 3 or 4, um, if that's what you're choosing, plus your monk level at this point, it's another 3. So you can reduce the damage at maximum by 16 at level 3. It's pretty insane. Um, which is a good chunk of damage. If you reduce the damage to zero, you can catch the missile um, if it's small enough for you to hold. So this is like um, um, a sling. If a sling uses uh, rocks in order to as its ammunition, this also means arrows. You can catch arrows, um, but it has to be small enough that you can hold it in one hand. So if someone's firing like a cannon at you, I know pirates are a thing in the D and D universe, and they have massive cannons. Uh, you cannot catch a cannonball because you cannot comfortably hold it in one hand. They're really heavy and you, they almost always require two hands. Um, if you want to argue that your monk is strong enough that they can hold a cannonball in one hand, then I uh, I highly recommend you give that a try and uh, you, you take the time and argue that. <laughs> but if you are able to argue that you can catch a cannonball, um, anything that you do catch in this way, you can spend one key point to make a ranged attack with the weapon or piece of ammunition that you just caught, and it's part of the same reaction. So it's pretty handy. You're able to do quite a bit uh, with that. You're When you make this attack, you're considered to be proficient with the weapon or the missile that you just caught, um, and it counts as a monk weapon for the attack. So. Lots of really cool stuff. Um, this is really handy if you're playing an Aerocrocra, which is a bird person. Um, being able to fly as a bird person is really handy, but 
you know, it really sucks if you get restrained by Ebola or anything of the sort. Um, so this helps in order for you to catch missiles and throw it back. Alright, level 4, as per usual, we get our ASI, or Ability Score Improvement. Uh, monks were... they're only getting them at uh, 4th level, 8th level, 12th, 16th, and 19th level. And as per usual, you can increase your score 1 score by 2, or 2 scores by 1. We also have Slow Fall. Beginning at the 4th level, you can use the reaction when you fall to reduce the fall damage you take by an amount equal to 5 times your monk level. Uh, this helps quite a bit. This is basically your own personal feather fall. Um, and that's super handy. Um, also, if you're an Aarakocra and you're restrained and you suddenly can't fly, well, hey, now you can slow fall, so you won't die when you're falling. Very handy. Um, at 5th level, you gain an extra attack, as per most martial classes, or most martial, uh, uh, yeah, classes. Um, so, they, they say, oh, you can attack twice. Well, if you use Flurry of Blows as your bonus action, well, suddenly you can attack four times, and you're only level five, whereas the fighter, they can only attack four times when they're level 20. So you're already hitting a lot faster than most people. The, the trade-off is you're definitely not hitting as hard um, as some other people because you're damage with monistic weapons. You can only do this while you have a monistic weapon out, or if you're unarmed. And if you're unarmed at this point, level 5, you um, more than likely only got, uh, you've only got a d6 um, of damage that you're dealing. So you're hitting hard, just not as hard as you would like. Uh, setting Strike. Starting at 5th level, you can uh, interfere with the flow of key uh, in an opponent's body. When you hit another creature with a melee attack, you can spend one key point to attempt a Stunning Strike. The target must succeed a Constitution saving throw or be stunned till the end of your next turn. Super handy. I uh, Last night, I ran a... Uh, a game where I have a monk in my party, or I have a monk that is in the party, and uh, he contemplated using this on one of my main creatures, and then usually opted out of it. Um, either assuming that it was already really low health, or that it probably had a high constitution. So, uh, it was very interesting. Alright, key empowered strikes. Starting at the 6th level, your unarmed strikes count as magical for the purposes of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. Evasion. At 7th level, your instinctive uh, agility lets you dodge out of the way of certain area effects, such as Blue Dragon, uh, Lightning Breath, or a Fireball spell. When you are subjected to an effect that allows you to make a Dexterity saving throw uh, to take only half damage, you instead take no damage. If you succeed on the saving throw, uh, you only take half damage if you fail. So this is similar to the rogue. I know we haven't talked about the rogue yet, but they also gain evasion, and it's the exact same ability. It's very handy when you're just like, nope, I'm just going to dodge your fireball, which is 8d6 of damage, or your um, lightning breath from a uh, copper dragon. I think it's copper. Each colored dragon does uh, a different elemental effect. Um, either way... Oh, it's a blue dragon. Her. It literally just said blue dragon. Anyways, um, you can dodge the effects of, of that, and that's usually 4d12, 
or substantially higher um, in terms of damage, so pretty handy when you want to get away from those really high area of effect damaging spells. Alright, Stillness of Mind. Starting at 7th level, you can, use your e, you can use your action to end one effect on yourself that is causing you to be charmed or frightened. Uh, basically, you take a moment, you meditate, and uh, you kind of cleanse your body of uh, any harmful effects. So, it's pretty interesting. Purity of the body. Uh, at 10th level, your mastery of key flows through you and makes you immune to disease and poison. Funny enough, paladins also gain something like this, but it's only at 3rd level, and you only gain immunity to disease, not poison. So, um, it's very interesting. Uh, eventually, by the end of this, your monk kind of becomes like an avatar of of the the perfect embodiment of the body. So that the saying the saying of like your body is a temple. This is quite literally what they were going for. And as you see, as we go on, you notice that the you become much more resistant to more and more harmful effects as a monk as you gain higher levels. Um, Tongue of the sun and moon, starting at the thirteenth level. You learn to touch the key of others' minds so that you can understand all spoken language. Moreover, any creature that can understand a moreover, any creature that can understand a language can understand what you say. I know that's very vague, but it's quite literally any creature that can understand any form of language, they understand what you're saying. Basically, you're the human translator. You can understand anything that um, the opposing person is saying, but they also understand whatever you're saying, even if you're speaking in, like, common or whatever. If, if you would like a visual reference um, of some sort, think Kronk speaking, you know, squirrel to the squirrels, to Bucky the squirrel, um, and vice versa. So even though Kronk can speak and understand and he can reply with, yeah, uh-huh, then they still understand each other. Basically, you're building Kronk. Don't worry about it. Hopefully not as dumb. Actually, if you're dumping your intelligence, then yes, he probably be, will be as dumb. But that's your choice. Alright, 14th level, you have a diamond soul. Uh, your mastery of key grants you proficiency in all saving throws. Additionally, whenever you make a saving throw and fail, you can spend one key point to re-roll it and take the second result. I believe you have to take the second result. Uh, there is no choice as to which one you would like to. Like realistically, if you're fa if you if you're gonna fail a roll, there is no like degrees of failure. You can't fail worse than another. It's like if you fail, you fail. So you might as well take the re-roll uh, when you can. But like, it, it, it's it's weird. Okay. Uh, empty body. Starting at the 18th level, you can use your reaction to spend. Uh, to spend four key points to become invisible for one minute. Really strong. During that time, you also have resistance to all damage but force damage, so you can still be pushed and moved around. Additionally, you can spend eight key points to cast Astral Projection uh, without any material components. When you do so, you uh, can't take any other creatures with you. Um, I'm not too sure what Astral Projection does. Uh, I'll have to look into it in order to see what it does, but uh, sounds pretty good. Uh, perfect Self. Starting at the 20th level, this is the keystone ability of the monk. When you roll for initiative and you have no key points remaining, you gain four key points. Basically, you get a free empty body whenever you are 20th level. It's pretty handy.
Alright, let's go over the Minnesota traditions, and then I think we're done with this episode for the day. Okay, wave the open hand. This is probably the most common uh, monistic tradition that people go for, um, just because it's good. It's the this is like the Bruce Lee of of being a monk. Um, you uh, know how to dish out a lot of damage, and you, you know a bunch of different maneuvers in order to um, throw your opponents off. Starting with the open hand technique, um, these things can be used when you use flurry of blows. Uh, when you use Flurry of Blows, you get to have the option that you get to have choose one of these options. Uh, the target must succeed to dexterity saving throw or be knock prone. Uh, it must make a strength saving throw. If it fails, you can push it up to 15 feet away. Usually a shove is only 5 or 10 feet away. Um, or the creature cannot take reactions until the end of your next turn, which is really handy because when someone takes an attack of opportunity against you, they're using their reaction to do that. So you can kind of use this as a get out of jail free card uh, without having to expend a key point in order to um, move away. But you're also using Flurry of Blows um, to deal more damage. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Alright, wholeness of body. At 6th level, you gain the ability to heal yourself as an action and you regain hit points equal to 3 times your flip the page, your monk level, and you finish the long, uh, you must finish a long rest before you can use this feature again. Uh, you're getting this at 6th level, so if you're doing 3 times your monk level, that's 18 uh, health you're regaining back for free. 11th level is Tranquility, when you can enter a special meditation that surrounds you with, uh, with an aura of peace. At the end of a long rest, you, regain the, uh, you gain the effects of a Sanctuary spell, and it lasts until the start of your next uh, long rest. The spell can end early as normal. The saving throw DC for the spell is equal to 8, plus your Wisdom modifier, plus your Proficiency bonus. Pretty handy. I do know what Sanctuary does. Sanctuary allows you to kind of create a space of where nothing can be harmed. Um, it's an aura radius around you. If something um, tries to make attack towards you, it has to make a wisdom saving throw. If it fails this saving throw, it must choose another target, or the spell or attack just bounces off and goes somewhere else. It's really handy. Alright, Quivering Palm. At the 17th level, you gain the ability to set up lethal vibrations into someone's bodies. When you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can spend three key points to start these uh, impermissible vibrations. Imperceptible. That's a word. Which lasts for a number of days equal to your monk level. These vibrations are harmless unless you use your action to end them. To do so, you and the target must be on the same plane of, of existence. When you use this action, the creature must make a constitution saving throw. If it fails, it is reduced to 0 HP. If it succeeds, it takes 10d10 necrotic damage. You can have only one creature under your effect of this at one time, and you, choose, uh, you can choose the end of vibrations harmlessly without using an action. This is a really cool way in order to bend someone to your will. Now, like, this is the chaotic evil in me coming out. But if someone is doing some horrible things, or if someone wants to uh, harm other people, this is pretty insane. Basically, you're you're choosing 
Uh, in, in order to think about it this way, what you're doing while you're doing this in terms of like uh, an RP or a lore section, you're basically choosing to throw their heartbeat off rhythm in order for it to just stop altogether. Um, which is pretty cool. It's actually really cool. And it sounds much more intense than, than I am currently giving in terms of, in terms of uh, presentation. So that's really neat, and honestly, you can make it so as like, okay, here's what you do. You either follow my directions, um, or I kill you. This is actually make for a really cool bad guy, just saying, because this is a great way for you to force the party to do whatever you need them to. Um, it's like a mark of death. It's really cool. I like that a lot, actually. Alright, uh, the next monastic tradition is the Way of the Shadow. Um, this is basically if you want your monk to be a ninja. Uh, that's pretty much what this is. It's, this is a lot of people classify this as the rogue monk, um, and you'll see why in a second when we look at shadow arts, uh, which is what you get immediately at third level when you choose this monistic tradition. Tradition. You can use your key points to duplicate the effects of a certain spell. As an action, you can spend two key, two key points to cast darkness, dark vision. Uh, pass without trace or silence uh, without using the material components. Additionally, you gain the minor illusion cantrip if you don't already know it. Um, all these spells are basically allowing, allowing you to uh, move without being seen or heard. So, if you, uh, you understand the whole you want your monk to be a ninja. At the sixth level, you gain the ability to step from one shadow into another. When you are a dim light or darkness as a bonus action, you can teleport up to 60 feet to an area, to an unoccupied space that you can also, uh, that is also in dim light or darkness. You have advantage uh, on the first melee attack you, you make before the end of the turn. Super handy. Allows you to just be like, hey, I'm stepping into the darkness. Peace. And, uh, it, it basically allows you to meld yourself with shadows, and that's really cool. Cloak of Shadows. You have learned to become one with the shadow. Uh, when you're in an area of dim light or darkness, you can use your action to become invisible. You remain invisible until you make an attack, um, cast a spell, or uh, you are in an area of bright light. It's pretty handy. Basically just free invisibility. Um, funny enough, the Gloomstalker Ranger also gains an ability that's similar to this, and we'll talk about that later on. Level 17, Opportunist. You can exploit a creature's momentary distraction when it is hit by an attack. Whenever a creature within 5 feet of you is hit by an attack made by a creature other than you, you can use a reaction to make an attack against that creature. Basically, you uh, are able to use your reaction to, to take advantage of someone else's distraction. Someone else is hitting someone, a friend of yours, you can use your reaction to attack them, uh, which is pretty huge. This would be a really interesting uh, uh, multi-class into a low-level rogue. Uh, probably more, like, you could do this either way. Either go into a... Um, High level, higher level rogue, lower level, um, lower level monk, or vice versa. Uh, personally, I think that this would be better if you went a uh, high level monk, low level um, 
rogue. Um, and then when you hit level three as that rogue, you just you jump into. I think it's level two actually. You just jump into the assassin um, tree, and you just start doing a bunch of bunch of damage to people. Okay, uh, the way of the four elements. Uh, this is if you want your uh, monk to be Avatar uh, Aang from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, this is the one if you want to have like really interesting spell points or do really cool spell-related things. Uh, discipline of the Elements. When you choose the tr this tradition at the third level, you learn magical disciplines and harness the power of the four elements. The discipline requires you to spend key points each time you use it. You know the element uh, attunement discipline and uh, one other element uh, discipline of your choice. Which you... Uh, which are detailed in the uh, Elemental Disciplines section below. You learn one additional Elemental Discipline of your choice at 6th, 7th, and uh, 6th, 11th, and 17th levels. When you learn a new Elemental Discipline, you can also replace one Elemental Discipline that you already know with a different Discipline. There's a lot of Elemental Disciplines. We'll probably only go over a few of them, um, just because some of them are, are pretty insane. Um, so, once you reach the 5th level in this class, you can spend additional key points to increase the level of your elemental discipline spells that you can cast, provided that the spell has an enhanced effect at a higher level, uh, such as Burning Hands as an example. The spell level increases by 1 for each key point you spent. For example, if you are 5th level monk and you use Sweeping Cinder Strike or Burning Hands, uh, you can spend three coin key points to cast it as a second level spell. Um, the discipline base cost is two key two key points plus one. The maximum number of key points you can spend uh, to cast a spell in this way includes its basic key point cost uh, and any additional key points you spend to increase its level. To determine by your monk level is shown the key points and the spells. That's a lot. So basically the idea is that if you're going to cast a spell um, such as Burning Hands and you want to upcast it, upcasting means that you just cast it at a higher level or you use a higher level spell slot, but monks don't have spell slots, um, you just spend one more key point in order to use it. And most of these kind of match up to the certain level um, that you would use them. So um, basically you're a lesser caster. Um, so yeah, some of these things, or some of these elemental disciplines, uh, include, but are not limited to, uh, the fangs of the fire snake, the fist of the unbroken air, the flames of the phoenix. Um, flames of the phoenix is very interesting. You can cast, you can spend four key points to cast fireball. All right, I'm pretty all right with that. But the thing is, you have to be eleventh level for that. If you're at 11th level and you're only learning how to cast Fireball, when every other spell class can learn it at level 5? Yeah, no. That's uh, that's insane. So yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of them that are in here. Um, I think this is probably the least chosen, and, it, and in my opinion, I think it's the weakest. Um, just because you, you're, you're just not... Like... 
if you want to be a caster, you might as well go like Eldritch Knight. I think Eldritch Knight is a stronger, um, stronger uh, alternative to this. Um, that being said, if you're just like, no, you know, forget you. I want to be the Avatar. Then hey, this is you. That's what you want to do. And that's it. That's all we're going to cover today. So that's the monk. There's a lot of really cool stuff that's associated with them. Um, monks are deceptively very fun. Honestly, when you're level 3 and you're hitting everybody three times as much as everyone else, it, it feels pretty good. So, I highly recommend you give it a try. Uh, and yeah, honestly, it, it's, it's pretty satisfying. It, also, if you want to couple this with a different feat, or some feats, uh, I recommend you could use Tavern Brawler. Tavern Brawler is a lot of fun because it allows you to, um, it allows you to just smack people with other things. You want to hit someone with a chicken wing? Congrats, you have proficiency with it. Um, I do. We'll we'll do an entire episode where we're talking about feats, just because they're a lot of fun. Um, as per usual, I've been using any flip for this player's handbook, and honestly, this is all canon. I only do stuff that is that is canon or official content. Um, simply because a lot of playtest material is usually untested um, and is usually really strong and unbalanced. Uh, but this stuff, it has all been playtested, it's been thought out, it's been... Uh, uh, it's, it's official, so go ahead and use it. I, uh, I highly recommend it. And that's it. We'll tune in next week when we're talking about the Paladin. Paladin is personally one of my favorite classes, so tune in for that.